Ladies and gentlemen, I know that I'm a little late to the party here, and it was quite a while ago at this point that the clock struck 12, and we entered into the year of 2021, but better late than never. So in today's video, we're going to go over the seven life lessons I learned in 2020. Now, I'm going to share some extremely intimate stuff with you guys here, so go ahead and drop a like down below if you appreciate the honesty, and uh, quite frankly, I'm not sure how this video is going to do. You know, it's a little different from the normal sort of agency business content that I post. Go ahead and drop a like if you enjoyed it. Just let me know that, um, yeah, you don't mind seeing content like this. So with no further ado, let's get straight into it. Now, the first lesson I learned in 2020 is sometimes it is better to keep your opinion and your worldview to yourself. Now, don't take this the wrong way. I believe the real pandemic in 2020 was people not standing up for what they know in their heart of hearts is wrong. And I will continue to voice my opinion and stand up for things that I know are right. I'll continue to admit when I'm wrong. And, you know, when I had a uh, opinion that was changed because of the uh, new information or new evidence that I found. And I'll continue to do all those things because the search for truth is one of the most important journeys you'll ever go on in your entire life. Um, and, you know, those truths can change uh, day by day, month by month, year by year. And as I said, you always get opposing information and opposing viewpoints. Um, and that can lead to you changing your mind. But Really what I'm trying to say here is really just to conserve your energy and pick your battles. I realize that there is no point trying to sway someone's opinion when they have a vested interest in the topic at hand or when they have a loved one, for example, who has a vested interest. Um, there's a lot of different biases. And obviously 2020 was a very divisive year. Um, a lot of, quite frankly, just a lot of arguing, a lot of disagreements, a lot of two sides going at it. And here's the thing, the amount of energy it takes to have a productive conversation with someone, especially when you lay out so much evidence and so many facts that you spend dozens of hours, if not hundreds of hours collating, and they still can't see it. It's probably one of the most exhausting and demoralizing things on earth. So 2020 really taught me that I need to pick my battles. Um, and I think for me personally, I also need to be a lot less intense when I speak. You know, when I speak my truth to people, for me, it's like I almost just want to shake them and go, look, how can you not see this? But at the end of the day, that can end up, you know, putting someone's wall up. And then no matter how good your information or your facts or whatever you're presenting, they're always going to have that wall up and it's not going to be able to land. Furthermore, 2020 was a year where I really had to question everything. Uh, a lot of my viewpoints and a lot of my worldview, you know, really was challenged and molded to, to something totally different. And one thing that I had to learn to do and I'm still continuing to do is once I've gone out there, once I've done my dozens of hours of research, if not hundreds of hours of research, to make sure that once I've formed that viewpoint, I constantly find opposing viewpoints to test that hypothesis. And, you know, this can be an extremely dizzying experience. You know, part of me just part of me almost wishes that I stayed in my little lane and and you know just focused on me because here's the thing i i, I still don't watch the news uh, i don't think you're educated if you watch the news i think you're quite the opposite in fact i don't think the news is a good place to get your information when some of their biggest sponsors are people who are under the firing line and have the billions and billions to spend to mold public perception you know throw 50 million that way throw 200 million that way and let the media mold a better narrative of them so here's the thing uh you know i've actually just never watched news in my entire life. Uh, obviously I have. Um, I remember I remember my friend's parents would always tell me, if you want to be educated, you have to watch the news. Now I realize how foolish they are. Quite frankly, if you want to get educated, the last place on earth you should look is the news. But as I said, you know, part of me wishes that I still didn't understand the difference between left to right, between Republican and Democrat, between, and to be honest, I still don't care. I'm quite frankly, I consider myself more of a libertarian. Uh, I hate the left. I hate the right. Um, quite frankly, I think they're both pretty scummy. Um, actually, government uh, is, is pretty scummy. Yes. I mean, no, I, possibly. But anyways, that's a conversation for another day, I guess. Anyways, my point is I definitely left 2020, um, you know, very similar to the movie, The Matrix, where I was just like, I kind of wish it, it's kind of like when you first find out about entrepreneurship or business and you're like, oh, wow. So you're telling me I don't actually have to go to university and end up with, you know, between 20 and $300,000 in student debt. Wow, there's actually a better way. I don't need a college degree. No! Once you realize stuff like that, you you can't unsee it. And it was a very similar thing when I, you know, took a lot of time in 2020, as I said, hundreds of hours to understand geopolitics and from a macro perspective, what's going on in the world, uh, the different incentives. And yeah, long story short, like part of me wishes I, I didn't know this stuff. 
but the main lesson that I took from 2020 is just don't try to argue with people um, who are just dead set on their uh, position and their opinion. Also, never try to argue with someone who gets their information from general media or news because they said they're just uneducated. So really what that means is now when I'm at a dinner table, I kind of pick and choose my battles um, depending on who I'm with. Uh, I decide, you know, is there any point in throwing in a curveball, throwing in an opposing viewpoint? Because uh, I said some people are just so dead set in their ways that uh, you really need to pick and choose your battles. So that was the first lesson that I learned in 2020. The second lesson that I learned in 2020 is that good times create weak men. By the way, this applies to females too. I can only just speak from uh, my gender and, and, you know, my experience. Because the most dangerous time in a person's life is when everything's going well. And same thing with a, a country or an empire or a civilization. You know, the most dangerous time is when everything's been going well. And as I said, I'm referring to men here because I can kind of only speak about that side of the fence, but men are weaker than they've ever been. And by the way, I'm not talking here about toxic masculinity because I already know that someone's going to try to point the finger and go, oh, you're perpetuating toxic masculinity. Far from it. I, as you guys know, any of you that have watched this channel in detail, uh, I believe in deep healing. I believe in uh, healing trauma. I believe that men have emotions. Men cry. Men go through very, very tough times. Um, and unfortunately, men, I think, account for something like 78% of suicides. Being a woman in this world is extremely tough. Being a man in this world is extremely tough. Uh, the only difference, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, is that as a woman, it's okay to express those emotions and show weakness. As a man, uh, in a lot of ways, it's looked down upon. So, so I'm not talking about toxic masculinity here. I'm talking about things like gluttony, laziness, sloth. These are really just all sins. You know, men are really having their energy zapped from things like porn, video games, the water that we're drinking, the GMO foods that we're eating, the EMFs. You know, a lot of people will call you a crazy conspiracy theorist if you talk about this sort of stuff. But just do your research. You know, it won't take you long to come to the same conclusion, which is these things are leading to the slow and gradual death of strong men. Once again, when I'm talking about strength, I'm not talking about physical strength here. And, and it's such a shame because in society, I feel as though it's, it's become a, a, a bad thing or it's looked down upon to, to be a strong man, you know, to be a man who leads, who puts his foot down, who knows what he wants. You know, I, you know, I almost feel as though that's looked down upon. And um, even growing up, you, there's so many things where society and the culture is trying to weaken you. I find it, um, I mean, disgusting, quite frankly, that teachers and, and by the way i know this because in school you, you know i'm sure you remember in, in school you have sex ed uh i vividly remember you know teachers saying yeah it's, it's totally fine to uh, masturbate to porn once a day twice a day i cannot believe that teachers are allowed to put that into young teenagers brains look if you want to masturbate to porn once a day twice a day three times a day i mean shit there's there's people who do it 10 times a day stop it get some help be my guest, but know what that is doing for your brain. You know, if you want to fry your brain, if you want to lower your testosterone, um, if you want to objectify women, uh, if you want to not be able to interact with the opposite sex, which is already a huge, huge issue in our culture. You know, these days men can only interact by texting or, um, or just a whole host of weird convoluted other methods to uh, meet the opposite sex and interact with the opposite sex. These days, you can't just go up and say hi. <laughs> so as i said to me it's absolutely crazy you know the way that we grow up as as men these days um most of the time without role models i know i come from a fatherless home you know my biological father he was an alcoholic abusive so you know he was out the picture before i was born my stepfather i saw maybe two months out of the year um and i kind of wish he wasn't around he was more of a you know he was a real tyrant like there was deep deep psychological scars so yeah he basically taught me everything that a man of honor should not be so, you know, I know what it's like to grow up in basically a fatherless home. It's a real, real issue these days. You know, men are growing up without fathers and like, that's an issue. Like it is in the same way boys growing up in homes without mothers is a big issue. You need both of them there. But anyways, I digress. My point is, uh, I think it's never been harder uh, to grow up as a boy. There are so many challenges. There's so many pitfalls. Um, you know, even once again, going back to school, I remember in my school, it, teachers would tell the children that it was okay to be overweight. And I have a real problem with that. Uh, to me, that's like telling kids that it's okay to smoke. I have no issue with whatever you want to do in your life, but I find it absurd, this culture we live in, where we try to not hurt anyone's feelings, try to make everyone feel inclusive, uh, and a whole host of other stuff. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you would not go to a smoker and go, it's, it's good that you smoke. If they want to smoke, if they want to do that with their life, that's totally fine. Guys, usually nine months of the year, I won't drink. And then three months of the year where I'm in a more party phase of that year is, you know, in the same way you go through seasons, I go through seasons with my work ethic and uh, the amount of time and effort that I'm putting into my business. You know, when I go out and I party and I drink and I can drink a lot, I'm Russian. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know that it's not good for me. It's not good for my health, but I have that understanding and I still do it. So as I said, ladies and gents, if you smoke, if you eat, uh, you know, fast food every day, if you do drugs, I don't, I don't label anything as good or bad, but I don't think you should be putting being overweight on a pedestal and it almost feels like we live in a society. As I said, I know in my school, it was like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And it's like, love yourself, you know, love your body, love your imperfections, love your flaws. But at the end of the day, that is, you know, being overweight is a byproduct of being unhealthy. And I don't think we should promote unhealthiness. I think everyone should be strong and fit. And by the way, when I say strong, uh, you know, I'm not talking physically. You don't all have to be physically strong. I'm talking about go out there, challenge yourself physically, get strong physically, get strong mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so they said, you know, it, it's, it's a weird, weird world we live in. You know, I really do worry about uh, the future of men in society. Um, as I said, you know, there's just from so many angles, uh, you know, porn, video games, um, EMFs, uh, you know, your, your phone right next to your genitals, the way that that's just blasting your sperm count, um, erectile dysfunction, the obesity epidemic, and just the fact that more and more men, you know, suicides are going up. And as I said, those are pr primarily men. So when I say strong men, I'm not talking, as, a, as I mentioned, about toxic masculinity. I'm talking about men that can tap into their emotions and their feelings. And to me, that is strength. And we're not teaching that. You go to school, you learn algebra, but you don't learn meditation and how to deal with anxiety and stress. It's ridiculous. So um, I think 2020 for me was uh, definitely a year where I kind of like looked around and I guess that's one of the reasons you're one of the lessons that I learned um, is I looked around and I was like, wow, like we are in a society of very, very weak men, um, just to put it bluntly. Now, from a more, you know, it's very easy for me to look at everyone else and judge from a more uh, internal perspective or, you know, or pointing the mirror back at myself. Same thing, you know, uh, good times when things are going the best, when there's a three, four, five month run where, you know, I'm on top of the world with my health and my fitness um, and my spiritual practice and my business, uh, inevitably you start to lose those disciplines, uh, traits that got you there in the first place. So, you know, it's very easy for me to judge everyone else. Um, I do it myself. I have good times in my life and those good times actually inevitably make me weak. So ladies and gents, that is the second life lesson that I learned in 2020. And by the way, I apologize for every single person uh, who came expecting me to just make some really like Tumblr or Instagram inspirational, like seven life lessons I learned. Like these are some very heavy hitting ones. I understand. I apologize for someone, you know, that wanted something a little lighter. Um, but that's just, you know, uh, how I looked at the world in, in 2020, quite frankly. So the third thing that I learned in 2020, and it's something that I believed for a long, long time, uh, was that you can basically heal yourself of pretty much any ailment naturally. So for the first six months of 2020, you know, uh, my health and my nutrition and everything I'd say was at, or what I believed at the time around, uh, you know, an 80%, an eight out of 10, uh, you know, now looking back at it, I guess with, with the lens that I view nutrition, um, I'd say it was probably closer to like a six out of 10. Um, and you know, the first half of 2020, I also experimented with a lot of fasts. Uh, I did a lot of 48 hour fasts, 72 hour fasts. And by the way, whenever I post anything on my Instagram about fasts, I, you know, I got the one or two idiots who are like, that is dangerous, or you should seek, you know, medical professional to help you just, just random guys. We have been fasting for thousands, well, not thousands, tens of thousands of years, right? It is in every single religious textbook. And by the way, I'm not actually religious myself. I, I believe in, I believe it's, a, I believe it's called agnostic, like where you're, I believe it's called agnostic where like you believe in a God, you just haven't chosen a religion. I, I don't know. Point is like, I'm not a devout uh, Christian or, or Muslim or this or that. I just think there is a lot of wisdom in those uh, religious texts. Ladies and gents, if you've ever had a dog and your dog is sick, if you remember correctly, do you know what happens? Your dog goes, kind of hides away in a corner 
and doesn't drink or eat for a day or two. And that is to allow its body to heal. Do you ever wonder why when you get the flu or when you're sick or anything like that, you lose your appetite? That's because your body does not want to deal with the effects of digesting food, the thermogenic effect uh, and, and the thermogenic energy uh, expended to digest food when it needs to heal itself. So fasting is, is, is such an incredible and such a powerful protocol. Once again, we just live in a weird convoluted world uh, where you think you need to eat four meals or three meals a day to survive. So basically that's where things were at in the first six months of the year. Uh, then midway through the year, I actually developed a, a chronic autoimmune condition and I got it pretty bad. It's, it's something called psoriasis. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of people have psoriasis. So it's it, basically what it is, is your body uh, thinks your skin is under attack. So it produces more skin cells uh, than is needed. Um, but your skin actually isn't under attack. And there's kind of uh, scales to it. I was definitely towards the, the worst end of it. Um, and that came around uh, kind of beginning of July um, and was around for, for kind of mid-June, mid actually. Uh, and I basically had it for around three months, you know, from the point in which, or three and a half months from the point in which I got it. Um, you know, I spent basically six to eight weeks becoming a, the foremost expert on on this chronic autoimmune condition. I went to all the best doctors, the most expensive doctors, all of the Harley Street Clinic doctors and uh, uh, dermatologists. Every single doctor and dermatologist told me straight to my face, that's it, it'll be with you for the rest of your life. Uh, this is not something you can cure. This is just something that you can manage. Yeah, and then, you know, going online and doing more research and, you know, seeing uh, even celebrities that have it. Kim Kardashian is a notable example of that. You know, I'm sad here thinking, sheesh, you know, this woman's got hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the best doctors in the world and you know it's been she's struggled with it for 20 years you know she can't even deal with it you know who am i to think that i can heal it naturally anyways long story short i end up going on something known as a carnivore diet um you know i don't recommend it for everyone um i'm, I'm a big fan of it i believe that you know a ketogenic uh, way of eating is the most natural uh, way of eating uh, you know especially for someone like myself you know my origins are from russia Please tell me where nine months a year is I would find vegetables. I'm very curious because, you know, uh, my grandma's, which I grew up for the first three, four years of my life, uh, I'm very uh, attuned to the seasons and when you can actually pick things uh, off of trees and, and vines and when you can actually eat things because I've had the experience of, you know, in April picking something off a vine in my grandmother's back garden, eating it, you know, having that absolutely horrible sour taste and then getting sick the next day because uh, it's just not ripe. So, um... Yeah, you know, it totally depends which lens you you view the world. Um, for people that uh, believe that a vegan diet is the kind of the most natural way of eating, I totally respect that. I get that. Um, you know, obviously we have opposing viewpoints, but you know, who cares? Like, I think I think at the end of the day, whatever diet you do, I've said this before, as long as you're not eating processed food, you're winning. Winning. Like you're already in the top one percent. So you know, it's I, I don't see a point, and I see a lot of times uh, vegans and carnivores and you know, people who do keto or paleo and they all fight with it. Guys, who cares? Like as long as you're not eating processed food and it works for you, you know, do your thing. Well, anyways, long story short, I did strict carnivore for around seven weeks uh, and within eight weeks, totally clear. Like, you know, uh, you can actually go watch my videos between like mid-August to like mid-September. You'll probably notice I'm not wearing any t-shirts or anything like that. Uh, and then from like... Uh, you know, mid October onwards, you'll, you'll see that I'm, you know, doing Q and A's on the second channel, or even just some of the videos on the main channel, like I'm wearing t-shirts and you'll see, like I have absolutely nothing uh, on my arms. So, um, yeah, you know, it took me six weeks of uh, eating meat. Uh, I only ate meat or meat related products. Um, I got very, very into my detoxing. Um, so as I said, you know, earlier in the year, uh, I had done, you know, before I got, had any sort of autoimmune condition, uh, I did a lot of fast in general, as you guys know, I'm, I'm very, very healthy. Uh, I stay very healthy, very active, very fit. Um, but the second half of 2020 really forced me to, to crank things up. Um, so, you know, it was just a lot of, obviously, you know, for uh, six to eight weeks, I was meat. I also cut out caffeine. And then from that, it was a lot of uh, liver detoxing uh, and just healing leaky gut. Most people don't know, uh, you know, 95% of people I'd say have leaky gut uh, and have parasites. Um, you're probably sitting on the opposite end of this and going, oh, me, I would, you know, I definitely don't have parasites or leaky gut or, uh, you know, suffer from any of this stuff. 
yeah you do like trust me like there are people i have friends who have dedicated their entire lives to holistic health and detoxing and even dealing with parasites that, that live inside of humans um and they still suffer from this stuff so so trust me um you do so yeah you, you know not to get too graphic but i spent a lot of the second half of 2020 just detoxing well i say the second half of 2020 I, you know uh by the time that mid-october rolled around i was like god damn i cleared this thing and then I spent the next six weeks, basically, um, obviously, you know, still working, but uh, there was a lot of partying. There was just a lot of social stuff that happened in October. Um, so yeah, I was strict for six weeks and then it was another four weeks of healing. And then actually I went off the rails for six weeks and then it came back and then I did another six, strict six weeks. So for me, it was just super obvious and super clear that like, yes, of course, the food you eat is going to affect, you know, things like autoimmune conditions. So you know, no matter what you have, whatever your autoimmune condition, really they're all the same, which is your body is attacking itself, you know, for no reason. Uh, your immune system is is confused, you know, unless you have some sort of genetical predisposition for an autoimmune condition, uh, which, which I don't, no one in my family has uh, psoriasis or anything like that. Like it's people, you know, doctors don't even know why it comes about. Like it's something just happens in your body. I actually think it was the last tattoo that I got because uh, it was, you know, all my tattoos are pretty light. So um, the last tattoo I got was a lot heavier, uh, and it, I remember it just took like a long time to heal. Um, so I think it was actually that, um, or, you know, maybe I might've been allergic to the ink specifically, uh, for that tattoo. I'm not sure. That's kind of the only hypothesis that I have that, or it was a freak coincidence. And, you know, when it happened, it just turned something on in your body, uh, you know, flip switches, um, and kind of the, the cat is out the bag. Um. But as I said, no matter what you have, I am under the full belief that you can heal it naturally. And, you know, people have used things like a vegan diet or a carnivore diet to heal things like not only autoimmune conditions, but things like depression, things like ADHD. Um, you know, I obviously, you know, even before this stuff happened, I had such a disdain for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I don't take anything, you know, the only time I can ever remember taking a painkiller ever in my life. Uh, was when I tore my, and by the way, this is also the only time I've ever been to a hospital. And yeah, that one time when I went to the hospital, that was because I dislocated my shoulder and tore my hip flexor at the same time, uh, literally in the space of the same two seconds while playing football. So anyways, long story short, uh, for me, it reaffirmed it. It's like, okay, cool. If I'm literally spending a thousand dollars an hour and it's not even an hour because most of the time they sit with you for 15 to 30 minutes. Um, on these private doctors, these private dermatologists, because, you know, luckily I'm in a very fortunate position where I've worked extremely hard over the last four and a half years, all my businesses, where I literally can get the best help in the world um, in terms of doctors and, you know, in, in this case, dermatologists, which is funny because uh, psoriasis literally has nothing to do with your skin. Uh, it's an autoimmune condition. Um, it's just where it shows up. As I all, you know, I think there's something like 90 autoimmune conditions. They're pretty much all the same thing. Um, it's just where on the body does it show up? Um, so yeah, you know, a little side note. So as I said, you know, from beginning of September uh, or end of August, that's when I started my carnivore diet. Um, you know, stayed strict with that for six weeks, then kind of fell off the bandwagon. Uh, once I cleared it, I was like, oh my God, I cleared it. And then like, and you know, I just basically went on a six to eight week, just, uh, you know, doing whatever I want, really starting to drink caffeine again. Uh, you know, having, you know, going out uh, with friends, enjoying a pasta, this, that. And then it came back and then it took another around six weeks to clear, but you know, I'm cleared again now. And, um, I mean, I got tons and tons of messages from people, uh, with different autoimmune conditions, uh, saying like, Hey, how the hell do you clear? If you want me to make like a full in-depth, you know, 45 minute, one hour video, um, then, you know, I'd be more than happy to do that as well. Uh, and show you not only how I cleared it one time now, a second time. And now at this point, uh, basically I just do a, a keto, uh, diet, um, Quick caffeine once again, you know, been off uh, been off caffeine for a while, and and I know now for sure I will never go back to it. Um, so yeah, as I said, now my diet for me is at a ten out of ten. Um, my energy is at a ten out of ten. Um, my health is at a ten out of ten. Uh, you know, in 2020, I had to do a lot of biohacking protocols that uh, I never thought I would have done. Um, a lot of steam room sauna cold plunge. Uh, you know, I recommend that to everyone. Hot and cold exposure. Uh, a lot of Epsom salt baths. But when you do an Epsom salt bath, most people just sprinkle a little in there you're going to want to do a kilo. I actually even do two kilos sometime. Be careful with that though. Um, just cause the amount of magnesium that goes into your system. Like I, I would refrain from two kilos. That's yeah. Like I'm, I'm just a bit of a madman when it comes to this sort of stuff. So I just do one kilo and things like coffee enemas. Yep. That's right. I don't 
drink coffee anymore. Um, but it, I still do insert whatever. Now, for any of you guys who've been following my stuff for a while, uh, you know that, you know, I've worked with detox coaches. One of my uh, good friends uh, uh, is a guy called detox dudes. And, you know, we worked uh, together on, on doing a lot of, uh, liver purges, um, dealing with any parasites, um, you know, uh, healing leaky gut. And we did this stuff, uh, you know, long, uh, you know, well before I had this, uh, chronic autoimmune condition come up. Um, and that was, you know, late 2019. And I, was totally down for, for everything uh, that Josh recommended. The one thing that I told him was, dude, there is absolutely zero way, zero chance I'm putting coffee up my you-know-what. And yeah, you know, it took a year and me getting a chronic autoimmune condition, uh, but eventually I listened. Um, and I can tell you, as, as funny as it sounds, <laughs> and I really wish it wasn't as incredible at, at basically cleansing your liver. So. You know, the reason that you want to use coffee is because it stimulates your vagus nerve and then that basically forces your liver to purge. Yeah, I really honestly from the bottom of my heart wish it wasn't as effective of a detox and biohacking protocol, but it's probably one of, if not the best uh, protocol out there. Yeah, as I said, I, I really, really wish it wasn't. But yeah, long story short, my point here is, um, you know, 2020 really affirmed what I already knew, which is you can heal anything naturally. Um, and and, you know, all I can say is to all the doctors out there, um, I know you guys have an incredible uh, intention. I know you're doing it with the best thought in mind, but like pills aren't always the solution. Uh, antibiotics, uh, which by the way are, you know, in 10% of cases are, are uh, a God's miracle and 90% of cases are literally the most detrimental thing that you can do to yourself and will cause years and years of anguish. Oh, okay, goddamn. Yeah, as I said, sometimes pills and antibiotics uh, are not the answer. Um, and a holistic approach is the answer 90% of the time and 10% of the time, if you cannot from bottom of your heart, you've actually tried and you cannot heal it naturally, then yeah, maybe consider, uh, you know, some pharmaceutical products. But, um, as I said, not one doctor, not two doctor, probably four doctors and three dermatologists, um, the best of the best in the UK, as I said, all of them, at least 700 pounds an hour. So like a thousand dollars an hour. <laughs> Uh, it's not even an hour. Every single one of them told me I couldn't clear it. And not only did I do it once, I did it twice. And when I relapsed or when it came back, it was very obvious why. Like, you know, six to eight weeks of drinking two, three times a week. Because I said, there was a lot of parties going. You know, I had a very quiet summer because I was boxing, you know, for two months. I was I was focused for, for so long in the year uh, that eventually when some social stuff started happening, um, you know, I was in the mood again. And, you know, drinking a couple times a week, coffee, pastas. I mean, stuff that, you know, most people do as a day-to-day -day normally, uh, that stuff made it come back and then I cleared it once again. So yeah, you know, uh, don't take uh, what your doctor says as, as gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, your body is designed to heal itself. So just take three months, try to heal it naturally. It still doesn't work and you've genuinely given it a crack. Then go ahead and, you know, you can try some of the pharmaceutical products. Now, the next thing that I learned in 2020, or at least I had a lot more appreciation for, um, is depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts, you know, because it really can happen to anyone. And I kind of had one of those dark night of the soul moments, uh, in 2020. So for some context, you know, before July or before July ish, August ish, uh, of 2020, I had never experienced anxiety in my life. Um, I'd never experienced depression in my life, um, you know, suicidal thoughts, this, that, uh, maybe a little bit, uh, when I was younger, you know, actually in all fairness, uh, here and there, when I was younger, uh, you know, I went through a pretty traumatic, uh, upbringing, uh, just saw some not very nice things. Um, so I guess that was that, but in my teenage years and, and, you know, uh, more recent years, um, never really experienced those things. Uh, and July just came out of nowhere. Um, you know, I remember it's maybe mid July. And I was, I was in Manchester for a couple months boxing. Um, and, and I came back to London for a weekend and, you know, just had hung out with some friends, you know, went for dinner, had some balls of wine, you know, there was probably 10 of us, a couple of my guy friends and I had some cigars, went to a party, this, that, uh, I ended up getting home pretty late, uh, probably like five 30. I remember I woke up at like nine 30, got in my shower, turned on the shower, laid crisscross applesauce on the floor and just started weeping. And 
it was a very, you know, at that time I was very confused because I, I didn't know why, but I was just really, really sad. And what that started was a six week bout of just really, really intense anxiety, um, depression and, and suicidal thoughts. Like I remember I would wake up and my, you know, my heart would just be pounding. And um, obviously the first thing that I would do when that would happen is I would go and, you know, I was in Manchester and, uh, you know, drove up and, and brought my juve, which is like a red light therapy thing. I would sit in front of my juve and just meditate for 15 minutes. Cause, cause you know, I thought that if my, you know, my heart rate is up and I'm feeling anxious, just, I can meditate this away. It's no issues. You know, I've been meditating for seven years. I, I can meditate this away. Wouldn't go away. And it got to a point where after that crisscross applesauce event, um, you know, it kind of just things deteriorated for two to three weeks to the point where, I mean, I was in the midst of a full-blown mental breakdown. And I remember from the moment in which I woke up, it was, it, was, it was crazy, the craziest experience I've ever had. From the moment I woke up to probably 4 or 5 p.m., the only way I can describe it is almost like being possessed by some demon um, or that something else was like some other life force was inside of me or just like, or almost like, I guess what it feels like to be bipolar where it's like, it's two different people. Um, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., the only thing was on my mind for a solid like three weeks, two, three weeks was how I was going to kill myself. And by the time that 4 or 5 p.m. rolled around, I was totally fine. I was happy. I was smiling. And by, um, on another note, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., I probably would cry four or five times. And, you know, I'm smiling now because it's just like, it's so wild to think about it. But it was such a painful it was such a, such a, such a painful, um, you know, uh, period of my life. And, you know, I can only thank someone, you know, thank God, thank, I don't fate. I, I don't know. I don't know who to thank, but I can only thank someone, um, that it was six weeks, you know, and it wasn't six months or six years. Cause a lot of people have to live with that for years and years and years. And I don't know if I would have made it if it was six months or if it was six years, cause it literally was a living hell. Before that point, I'd always heard stories of, of depression and, and suicidal thoughts and anxiety. And I'm like, you know, I could never really relate. Now I can relate. And although it's very, very painful and it was a really tough point in my life, it's now something that, you know, it's, it, it's something that I, I have a lot of respect towards. I have a lot of respect towards people going through it. And, you know, really the things that got me out of that period from the point in which I was like, yo, this is serious. And like, I like it was, I'll give you an example. I was you know, I was on a team call and I had just gone off a team call and Kieran was with me in Manchester, you know, Kieran, who's the, the product manager of Greg NC. I got off the team call, you know, and Kieran's right by my side and I just, I break down. And like, for me to have a breakdown, like a, a full mental breakdown in front of my, you know, basically left-hand man, right-hand man at one of my companies. And, you know, I just go, I'm like, I, I, I say to Kieran, I'm like, you know, sometimes I just think it'd be easier if I wasn't here. That was kind of my thinking for, for a solid few weeks. And as I said, it, it's so crazy because it, it came so quick. And I don't want to say it left quick, but it was, it was definitely a gradual from the point in which I'm like, okay, I need to really take care of myself here. You know, uh, from there, uh, kind of at the height of when it got the worst, um, you know, I had a, a few more days just coincidentally in Manchester um, with the boxing and then... And then I went to Iceland and really just took a, a week for myself to, you know, to regroup, gather my thoughts. I did a lot of meditating, a lot of breathing work, um, a lot of uh, biohacking there. You know, uh, they've got all of the springs. So spent a lot of time in the springs, cold exposure, warm exposure. I uh, did a lot of journaling um, and just did a lot of very uh, introspective work. And I remember the sort of last little bout of uh, anxiety or depression was probably like a few days after I moved into, uh, you know, my new four floor house in, in London. I was super excited about that. That was one of the things that I was missing out on. Cause you know, in 2020, I'd basically been living out of suitcase for uh, nine months until I'd moved into my home. Um, so yeah, long story short, I remember this is maybe four or five days in, I'm like feeling that anxiety again. And I feel myself and I'm about like, I'm about to start crying and like having a breakdown and you know, I, I knew that first of all, you, you know, it's, it's not good to kind of escape from those emotions. So first thing I did, cause I just wanted to snap myself out of it was I went to the gym and I went steam room, sauna, cold plunge. And I did four or five rounds of those. And then I came home and I journaled and I meditated and, you know, 
that's really the the you know I can't I didn't spend much time in that world of anxiety and depression but from the limit time that I did spend there the only advice that I can give you is you got to dial everything in you know you got to dial everything in in terms of well first of all you have to do a lot of deep healing work and you got to ask yourself where is it coming from uh, and you have to tackle it head on as I said for me the crazy thing was I had just gone from the best six months of my life you know literally from January until July you know, I, from J basically the s six months I was in Cape Town last year to the 10 days in London to like the first month of the boxing in Manchester, like I was on top of the world. I was having a great time. Uh, it was 2020 was a great year for me, The or, you know, the first seven months, especially. So it just kind of came out of nowhere and I couldn't really pinpoint any reason to, and you know, people were like, oh, it's because you're stressed or this. I'm like, as this, you think this is anything new to me? Like I've had so many more periods in my life where I'm so much more stressed or I have so much more on my mind than that point. Um, and who knows, maybe it was delayed onset, but yeah, that's, um, I guess my best recommendation from the limited time I spent in that world is just really take care of yourself. You know, I remember one of the big things that got me through it was like when things were really tough, I would just close my eyes. Uh, and, and I remember once again, uh, one of my good friends, Josh, uh, detox dudes, he was a very, very big help. Cause you know, he spent two, three years in that place. Um, and you know, one of the big things that he did to get through was he would just like, um, I think it's called like, I forget what it's called. There's a name for it. Havening or something. I think so. Um, where you go like that and you literally just like almost give yourself a hug. <laughs> and, um, you know, when things would get really bad, I would just, I would go like that. And I go, I love you, man. I love you, man. And I learned that from Josh. Um, and you know, when things would be, uh, uh when I'd be doing uh, some of my biohacking detox protocols and I'd be, um, and I'd be in the steam room sauna or the cold plunge. I would like close my eyes as things were really tough and I would go in God's grace, in God's grace. And I don't know why I got, you know, I, I was called to do that, but I was called to do it. And, you know, that's just one thing that kind of got me through that period was those two things. So, you know, really you have to be quite gentle with yourself um, and you really, really have to protect your energy in that space. Um, you know, during that time, I also did the Instagram off my phone for three, four weeks. I basically didn't respond to anyone for three, four weeks. Didn't see anyone for three, four weeks. Uh, except for a couple close friends who knew what was going on and they were kind of helping me work through that. Um, and I was just really, really protective of my energy. And, you know, anyone who's going through that, uh, I guess that's one other little piece of advice that I could give you. Now, moving on to the next lesson I learned in 2020. Once again, it was one of those that I already knew, uh, but it was reaffirmed in 2020. And that's that you have to do your own healing and you have to love yourself before anyone else can love you or you can love truly love anyone else. You know, I've always said, I don't believe in none of this he or she completes me bullshit. You guys are two whole people. The sum of you together is greater than you guys separately. You know, I kind of spent a lot of time just being to myself and, and protecting my energy, you know, in 2020. Uh, I got out of what was basically around a two and a half year relationship right at the beginning of March. Uh, and after that, I decided, and by the way, this is pre lockdowns in Cape Town and stuff. I, I was in Cape Town at this point. Um, so it wasn't like I made this decision because it was lockdown or this, that, you know, at that point I decided basically I wanted to be celibate for three months. Um, and I really just want to protect my energy and just kind of go inside and just, yeah, just really spend a lot of time with myself. And, you know, that was something that was important to me. I got to two and a half months, which for me, I'm, I'm very, very proud of. <laughs> like I was very, very happy with that, to be honest. <laughs> and, you know, I came out of that relationship after doing a lot of, um, you know, inner work right after, you know, the, the next four to six weeks after a lot of meditation, a lot of inner work, uh, a lot of uh, breath work, a lot of healing. Uh, I came out of it in the best place I'd ever been in my life, to be honest. And, you know, that kind of kept going. And, you know, I was in a really good place when finally after, you know, being almost stuck in South Africa for six months, I finally came back to London. And then I had 10 days of partying and fooling around and this and that before I went to Manchester for six weeks. And then I had the whole <laughs> depressive bout, um, anxiety about, and that came about. And then, and you know, from that point, once again, I was that time unintentionally celibate for three months because I was dealing with so much personally that I couldn't share my energy with anyone else. Uh, even if it was just for a night, I, you know, I was just, the idea of that was just the last thing on my mind. I just wanted to protect my own energy and just do a lot of healing. So, you know, I think that a lot of people are really scared to be uh, just alone with themselves. Um, and you shouldn't be. I think you need to really look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, am I, have I done a lot of the work? Have I done a lot of the healing work? And am I ready to share my energy 
uh, with someone else? And if the answer is no, then like, that's so exciting. Like you get to go through, like, I, I personally think the most growth is when you're single and not single. And, you know, and you trust me, I've done a lot of this in my life, single and distracting yourself and, you know, and, you know, being involved with tons of, uh, romantic flings and this and that, um, that's fine. You know, that's, that's another season of life. Um, but once again, that it distracts you it distracts you from doing that real inner healing work. So, you know, as I said, really just ask yourself, what season of life are you in and, and be honest with yourself. So as I said, I kind of had two periods of the year where I was just very to myself, protecting my energy, um, celibate, which as I said, I think is a very, very powerful tool. One, as I said, which was intentional, which is after I ended my last relationship. And I was like, I kind of just want three months to myself. The second one, which was definitely not intentional, which was, oh, sick, autoimmune condition and this like crazy bout of uh, depression and anxiety. That one definitely I was not planning for. Um, but, you know, those two things led me to uh, getting to the point where I was, you know, I'd done a lot of work on myself over the space of the year. Um, and, you know, you always find love in weird places or when you're not expecting it or when you kind of want it the least. Um, and, you know, ended up the year in a relationship that I'm just so incredibly uh, grateful for and, and happy about is that a relationship that I didn't see coming or didn't see it blossoming into what it is. So yeah, as I said, my next life lesson or a really important life lesson that was reaffirmed to me was that I kind of really went about things the right way in 2020 um, romantically uh, in the sense that I knew when it was time to protect my energy and I just really needed to do some inner work um, when it was time where, you know, I felt great in myself. I felt strong in myself and I felt that I could bring that to the table with someone else. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was very happy with the way that I went about that in 2020. And it was, as I said, one of those things where I already knew, but it re uh, really reaffirmed an important lesson for me. The sixth lesson I learned in 2020 is don't blow your load too quickly. And that's a very crass way of saying that, but I don't really know how else to put it. And basically what I'm trying to say here is don't get ahead of yourself. You have so much life to live. You know, I know that 90% of my demographic watching are either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. And quite frankly, you are going to have a lot of financial options. You're going to have a lot of options with where to travel, what to do with your life. And all I can say is kind of just don't get ahead of yourself and, and leave, leave some things for the future. Cause then you just get really jaded and, and bored. And you know, you're really going to get to a point where you ask yourself what's left. Um, you know, there was an example that, and you know, that was actually something that made me think of it and it's probably not relatable at all. I, I, I totally apologize. This is not kind of your average. You're probably thinking, you're probably listening, you're going to listen to this and go, oh, like poor you, man. But it, it just some, you know, it's something that made me think, or it's how this kind of idea came about. And, and in December, I was actually going to get my mom a Porsche 911. Um, obviously, as you guys know, my mom is my hero, my angel, um, you know, I, like I, I literally owe everything to my mom. Uh, we had a very difficult, very, very difficult um, upbringing. Um, it was just her and I, which managed to get us through it. So uh, obviously, you know, any of my success that I have, you know, I want to spoil her with it. But anyways, I thought about that and I was like, Iman, you are, you know, recently turned 20. Um, but at the time, December 2020, you know, at that point, I'm still 20 years old. Iman, you're 20 years old. And that's what I kind of thought about this term. I was like, don't blow your load so early. Ew, dude. What the fuck? Like you have so many more years. And, you know, I thought about it and I was like, man, if you invested that money in five years, you could buy her a Porsche and a Bentley or in five years or, you know, in 10 years, you could probably buy her a house for that. So, you know, just just take your time, kiddo. And sometimes I'll, I, you know, because as much of an adult as I think I am, and yes, I am an adult and yes, I you know, have a team of nine employees and yes, you know, I have a hundred K a month in expenses from, for the business. Um, and I have all this responsibility and this and that, like at the end of the day, I'm 21 and there's, there's so much left of life to live. Uh, and sometimes I kind of have to, or, you know, remind myself, you man, like don't blow your load. Like just, just take your time. You know, there's so much left of, of life to live, as I said. And, you know, really, if you're young, just, just take a step back uh, prioritize investing. Uh, that's another thing that I'd say. And that's, you know, I guess a viewpoint that's changed for me in, in 2020, you know, really live below your means and invest. I started off 2020 with an investment portfolio of basically zero, um, and ended off the year with a, a $2 million investment portfolio in my personal name. So not 
in the business. So obviously that's post-tax income. Um, and once again, I'd be happy to break that down in a, in a separate video. So, so really I can't urge you enough to get to the point where you've got six months of cash reserves. And then, you know, if you're in your twenties, go pretty aggressive, you know, is invest 70% of everything you make after that point. You know, for me, where I am now, um, everything I make, I only spend 10% of what I make. Obviously you have to set aside, you know, after I set aside money for taxes and this and that after that point, and I, and I do all those calculations, 10% of everything I make now goes towards kind of my lifestyle and, and how I live, um, between 10 and 15%. Uh, and then the other 80 to 85% goes to investments. You know, really your future self will thank you. Um, and I guess that's the main kind of point I want to get across and kind of what I realized in 2020 was like, you know, just pace yourself. Like you have, you have so much left of your life to live. Um, and you know, you can do obviously something that's, that's incredible and in a dream, you know, buy your mom a Porsche 911, you know, uh, well over a hundred thousand dollar car at the age of 20 years old. But it's like, it, that's, that's still something nice to do when you're 25, but like, why not, why not do this? Like, why not invest that money? And then when you're 25, buy your mom a Porsche and then also send her a wire transfer of the amount of money, uh, that was accrued through the investment that you made five years. Like, I mean, there's just smarter ways to think about it. And I guess I really started to think that way in, in, in 2020, uh, obviously, as I said, I, I considering my circumstances and, you know, the past four and a half years in business, like at my age, I've always been very, very sensible with money. I've, I've saved money. I've kept really, really good cash reserves and, um, you know, everything in between, but, you know, now I'm really starting to think from a more, uh, investor perspective and starting to think really, really long-term. So the goal is, uh, for now, 25 million by the age of 25. So that's 25 million in assets, um, minus any debt, by the way. So that'll be my total equity in the assets that I own, you know, between the different asset classes. Um, so that's 25 million by the age of 25. And I want to do hundred million uh, by the time I'm 30. And really the last lesson that I learned in 2020 is you are capable of so much more than you ever imagined, or you could ever conceive. See, now that one sounds like one of those Instagram posts, like seven lessons I learned in 2020, but you know, 2020 as a whole tested everyone. So just the fact that you got through the year, um, should prove to you how strong you are, but after everything that happened in the year, after an incredible first seven months, you know, for me, I was just like so free and light and the business was just, you know, uh, just, just absolutely ramping up and just everything was so on point, uh, the first seven months and then going through the, the crazy three months of, you know, chronic and, you know, uh, chronic autoimmune condition and, uh, depression and anxiety and this and that. And then, you know, kind of the last three months of the year. Um, just getting to the point where I was like kind of coming back to my normal self and socializing and, and, you know, building a relationship and just kind of getting back to my full self with my team and my employees and this and that, um, you know, cause kind of for the last, for the last six months of 2020, it's a shame. We made so, so much ground in the first six months. And then the last six months because of me, um, cause I had so much going on, obviously, understandably. So we did, we just didn't really innovate much. It was like grew a lot and then just kind of you know, stagnated the last six months of the year. But, you know, as I said, these things kind of come out of nowhere sometimes and you just have to deal with them. Anyway, so long story short, uh, I wanted to end off 2020 doing something really tough to just prove to myself how strong I was again. So I'm sure many of you guys remember, I decided to run a marathon with 14 days prep. And prior to that point, I had run uh, 6.7 kilometers ever. Um, like that's, that was the most I'd ever run. And yeah, I ended up running a marathon with 14 days of prep. And I didn't even, I genuinely had maybe 50% belief that I would even finish it. And the other 50% of me was like, okay, cool. I'll probably do it in like five hours. I ended up doing the marathon uh, in three hours and 50 minutes, which was a time that I'm just so proud of. And, you know, I'm just so happy. Um, just cause like in general, long distance has not been, or in cardio has never been my thing. I hate cardio. I never do it. Um, and I've always kind of been the more explosive, uh, explosive type, uh, you know, powerlifting, sprinting, that sort of stuff. So yeah, that really opened my eyes and it, it made me wake up. And I think for a lot of people who are in their first or second year in entrepreneurship, uh, or in business, you have that, like, you have that almost uh, unrealistic spark of like almost certainty, like in 2018, at the age of 18 years old, at the beginning of 2018, I said, I was, I'm going to make a million dollars. And I made a million dollars in 2018. Like, and that was so crazy of me to think at the age of 18 and I did it. And then, you know, I've been doing it plus some, you know, plus multiples more ever since then. But like, I've gotten to a point now where like, 
I just think I'm a little, um, I'm not willing to, to absolutely push the ceiling. And, and, you know, an example of this was my goal was always 6 million in assets by the age of 25. And after I did my marathon, I just reassessed things. And I was like, and I was just like, no, that's just, it's, push yourself. Like you're capable of so much more, Iman, than you could ever imagine. And I was like, you know what? 25 million in assets by the age of 25. That sounds a little better. So, you know, really 2020 and then doing that marathon at the end of 2020, it just proved to me that I'm, I'm capable of so much more than I know or than I imagine. And um, I, I think really that's a that's an important life lesson. I think that's why it's so important to constantly think about ways that, and that's why I think it's so important to constantly just push yourself, like things that sound crazy, you know, scale up a, a, a mountain that you've always wanted to scale up, do a half marathon, do a marathon, just do anything to prove your, to yourself that you are so much stronger. Because what that marathon did for me was, uh, you know, unspeakable. Because as I said, you know, after I did that, I was like, man, you've just been thinking way too small. And immediately after that, I started looking at triathlons and, you know, other marathons or, and, you know, ultra marathons and stuff like that, that I could do, or uh, even uh, powerlifting competitions, or even just setting a goal for myself to, uh, to deadlift a certain amount by the end of the year. Yeah, you really are capable of so much more than you could have ever imagined. So Ladies and gentlemen, those were my seven lessons that I learned from the year. They're very, um, they're very kind of macro and they're very, you know, they're not like very like, oh, I learned this one thing, blah, blah. Uh, and it, it almost kind of chronologically follows just lessons that I was dealt throughout the, the year and just kind of with things that I experienced. So I said, I don't know whether you guys thought that was total fluff and didn't care about 90% of the shit that I mentioned in this video or whether you thought that was an interesting insight to and a little bit more of an intimate insight into kind of some of the stuff that happened uh, in 2020, um, how I dealt with it, how I viewed it, uh, how my worldview changed, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, let me know what you guys thought in the, in the comments. Go ahead and smash the like button. Ladies and gentlemen, if you actually enjoyed this video, and uh, as always, if you want to find the winner for the Gadget giveaway, it's going to be a pinned comment down below. And all you have to do to win an apparel from Gadget, I'm actually wearing the matte black blue light blockers one of my favorite colorways. I'd say probably this and the crystal are my two favorite at the moment. But yeah, as I said, all you have to do to enter into the giveaway is just subscribe, turn on post notifications, comment within the first two hours of video going live, and then check back on the next video uh, to see who the winner is. So lots of love, guys. Hope you enjoyed the video, and I'll see you in the next one. Hey, look, if you enjoyed that video, I went ahead and picked out another special video that I know you're going to find immensely valuable. You can find it right there. I know you're going to love it, and I'll see you in the next one.